0: Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of the TBD Podcast. Uh, my apologies to all the fans who are wondering where I was in the 10th episode. There's a few scheduling issues. I was a little busy, so I couldn't make it, but I'm back now. and uh, excited for episode 11. How are you doing, my man, Ozzy?
1: I'm doing well, and first off, I want to say, glad to have you back, Hayden. You know, we missed you in episode 10, but we all know episode 11 about to be a banger with the duo back together. So, um, let's just get right into it.
0: All right, first things first, the Milwaukee Bucks, as I predicted, as you falsely predicted the Suns would win, the Bucks tied up 2-2, and uh, my prediction of Milwaukee in 6 or 7 is starting to look a little bit stronger. Um, And then, I mean, I'll let you get get started on what you have to say about this game, and then I'll put in some thoughts of my own.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a game that was honestly dictated – by the Bucks the entire game, you know, rallying behind their home crowd that we all expected them to. They were able to get behind them and we saw big big games from Chris Middleton who we've, we've given a a little bit of backlash throughout these playoffs being inconsistent. But if they would have come through tonight last night, the night before, I can't even remember off the top of my head. But oh my God. this 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 was a this was a game that, you know, I I loved I love to watch and you know hate to see my prediction not be able to come through, but you know, game game six is a bit, really fairly possibility for the Phoenix Suns and hopefully they're able to pull it out. But this is a game dictated, like I said, by the Milwaukee Bucks. We saw big games and very big numbers out of Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think he had 29, 14 and eight. I believe, and you know, eight assists from Giannis is something that he's been able to develop, been able to you know find the open man and an absolutely outstanding block, one of uh, arguably beats. His block before, by by no means, you know, I know we were talking about it was a tie game. Arguably, it, it would have put them up. DeAndre Aiden going up, and it was blocked by Giannis. Just a great, outstanding block. And, you know, the, the Milwaukee Bucks that you've been pulling for, it looks like we're going to be going down to the wire.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be a great series. Um, a couple things about this game. Big bounce-back game for Devin Booker. He deserves all the credit in the world. I mean, sure. sometimes I think we really – we really uh, underappreciate these young stars because, I mean, it's, it's not normal for a guy of his age to be scoring 42 points in the NBA finals. I think uh, some of these young stars, we, we really need to take a step back and just say, wow, at what they're doing. I mean, Luka Doncic averaged like 39-8-8 eight and eight in the playoff series in his third season in the NBA. I mean, some of this stuff is absolutely ridiculous and uh, everybody should feel good. We The league is in great hands with some of these young guys, and um, – Also, another big thing of this game is Chris Paul really just did not play well. I mean, I've seen all the memes on Twitter about uh, him playing like Raw Neto of the Washington (laughs) Wizards. Come on. Even my boy Neto doesn't turn the ball over as, as much as Chris Paul was last night. Five times in a game. I believe that was more than he turned it over in the entire series against the Denver Nuggets. So, not Not very impressive by Chris Paul. Only seven assists as well. That assist to turnover ratio is terrible compared to what we're used to from Chris Paul. So really not his best game. He needs to bounce back. Same thing, DeAndre Aiden, six points. Uh, We we expect a lot more out of him, uh, especially a guy who gets most of his shots finishing around the rim. I mean, I think there's no excuse if you're DeAndre Aiden to score, to be scoring anything less than about 14 points. I think 14 is about the lowest he should be scoring in all of these games uh, because he gets a lot of good looks around the rim. And uh, you know Chris Paul is willing to feed him. Devin Booker feeds him. Uh, uh, Cameron Payne feeds him the ball. So he he needs he needs to get it together down there. And um, this game ultimately though, I, I said some negative things about a couple of the players in the Suns, but this game was a great performance by the Bucks. Uh, they they made a nice comeback. I believe three minutes left. They came back. They won the game and uh, Giannis deserves a lot of credit. Chris Middleton deserves a lot of credit. Lopez had a solid game. Uh, P.J. Tucker, the stats don't show it, but he was making an impact. Uh, Drew Holiday, not the best game offensively. He actually shot terribly from the field, but he played some great defense himself, so I think it was a well-deserved win for the Milwaukee Bucks, and it was another great NBA Finals game.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, just picking up briefly on P.J. Tucker, I mean, this is a guy who shot one shot, he missed it, and he played 29 minutes. So this is a guy who the Bucks love his grind and they love what he's doing because he's able to grab those boards down low, he's able to fight with these bigger guys. And He's able to, you know, he's a dog out there. You know, I know a couple of episodes ago we talked about Bobby Portis being a dog. This guy is also a dog. This whole Bucks team is built of dogs. They're very good defensively. Like you said, Drew Holiday didn't shoot the ball well, four for 20 from the field, wasn't very efficient, hasn't been very efficient these, these finals, but he's able to make it up in other stats, you know, seven rebounds, seven assists, three steals. You know, he's been able to come in to de- defensively, something that he thrives in, a very underrated perimeter defender, and he's able to come in make big big plays when they need it. And that's something that we were able to see and they were able to showcase. And, you know, only holding the Suns to five or 103 points and then forcing Chris Paul into five turnovers. Like you said, we don't see this out of Chris Paul. Um, Like you said, also Denver Nuggets series, we're not even sure if he had five turnovers. This is a guy who was dropping... Eight, nine assists plus with zero turnovers, and then he comes out and has five. So it's just isn't something you like to see. Obviously, Chris Paul, you know, the clock is only—it's only moving forward from here. So you need this guy to really lock in to win this championship. I really would like to see him win it. And Devin Booker, also another guy that we we should pick up on, a great a great bounce back game. Shooting three for fourteen in game three, comes out drops forty one, I believe. You know, wasn't able to pick up the victory, but. This is, you love to see it because you, you know Devin Booker's going to bounce back.
0: Yeah, I mean, the guy is just – he's just a naturally gifted scorer. And, uh, I mean, he's also put the work. in. so when you, when you have both of those things combined, he has a lot of games where uh, if you squint, you think it's Kobe Bryant. Uh, rest in peace to one of the all-time greats. I mean, we just talked about him a couple episodes ago when we were making our top ten all-time list. So if you're ever compared to him as an NBA player, you know that's all the credit in the world, and it's very clear that he's someone uh, Devin Booker modeled his game after, and he just had a kobe S performance last, or, uh, on Wednesday night against the Milwaukee
1: Bucks. Yeah, I mean, something that you love to see as a Phoenix fan despite the loss, but another thing that you really don't like to see, something that I know me and you were talking about before we started, was um, Mikel Bridges. He only shot three for four. He only took four shots. Finish with seven points. This is a guy who dropped 27 points in game two. He can score the basketball. We've seen him score the basketball this finals. And he's only taken four shots. I'd like to see a little more out of him because he's a valuable asset to this team. This entire young core has been showing up all playoffs. And this is not the time to not show up. You know, obviously you're up 2-0. You have some wiggle room. And now the series is it's back to ground zero, you know. Almost like a 0-0. Two more wins. For both seed, it's a teams.
0: three series from here.
1: Yeah, from here on out. So, I mean, you need you need to really lock in. And at this point in time, you don't want to see DeAndre and someone that you picked up on, dropping six points when he's literally an in-the-paint type of guy. He's ball-dominant in the paint. You don't like him to see dropping six points in 38 minutes. And you don't like to see Mikel Bridges dropping seven points because ultimately he's their guy that they look to when they're, when they're really looking to, you know, get a bu- bucket when they're not really doing so well. He's a guy who can really spark a team. And we didn't really see that out of him, so I would've liked to see more from him, honestly. And I think it was it was a reason why, you know, DeAndre Aiden and Mikhail Bridges not really showing up. A big reason why the Bucks were able to slip away despite their, you know, outstanding defensive efforts, you know, guarding them as a whole.
0: Yeah, I mean, Mikhail Bridges didn't necessarily have a terrible game. It just wasn't a great game and uh it wasn't even a good game. It was a below average game, but uh he at least he wasn't extremely inefficient. He was actually very efficient, but I mean Yeah, it's three for four. four. He only took yeah. four shots, so it's He'd like he to see him shoot a shoot more of credit for that like to see him take some more shots. I know he was deferring to Paul and and Booker, especially Booker. I mean, it was clearly the night he was taking over the game. But he needs to play better. And uh, when a guy has a 40-point game like Devin Booker did, that means everybody else on the team only has to be decent to win you the game. But six and seven points out of your second and your fourth option is just not enough. Um, You really need a lot more points out of those guys. I mean, especially Aiden. I think I think Mikhail Bridges, you only need about twelve points a game out of him, which I mean he obviously he did have below that. But DeAndre Aiden, we're looking we're looking for 14 to 25 range of points, and uh, he he didn't even come close to reaching fourteen, so definitely not a highlight game for him that he's gonna want to remember. And I, I mean, if you're Monty Williams, you need to sit down in the locker room with these guys and be like, Look, this is the NBA finals, this is what it's all Man. about. This is not the time to have a bad game. If you want to have a bad game. Wait until next regular season. You can have 10 bad games in the regular season. We won't care. You just got to show up now. This is winning time. This is These are two guys who apparently want max contracts in the off season. Yeah, uh, no, perfect time to show them. Yeah, nobody's going to give you a max contract for a three-for-four shooting, Mikel Bridges. You're going to have to show up in these next th- three games. Show us what you showed us in game two with the 27-point performance. And uh, impress everybody and, and earn your money, my man. And then uh, a final final comment I had to make on this game, a loyal viewer of the podcast actually told me I should bring this up. And uh, I was planning on bringing it up anyways, but shout out to you for sending me the DM, um, which is just terrible officiating. I mean, Devin Booker listed as five fouls. I saw about eight out of him. One was glaringly obvious on uh, Drew Holiday, on a Drew Holiday layup. I mean, if – if you haven't seen it yet, just go on ESPN's Instagram, go on anywhere. Everybody's talking about it. I mean, it was a glaringly obvious foul that the officials swallowed their whistle. No call was made. And I mean, we, we, we've seen, we've seen series being taken over by officials before. We don't want it to happen again. I mean, there was a series in the early two thousands between the, the Kings and the Lakers that um the Kings lost and the Lakers made the finals and won it. And uh, if, If the officials were a little less lopsided, maybe the Kings would have won that series and won their only NBA championship. But instead, they still have zero, and their franchise has been heading down ever since. Maybe their franchise would be a completely different way if they won. And uh, Milwaukee's another team like Sacramento. They don't necessarily have the biggest market. Winning the championship versus losing it could change not only this year, obviously, but the next 15, 20 years of their franchise. So we don't want to see officials not only impacting – the biggest series of the year but also impacting two teams futures
1: yeah i mean you hate to see any game in the nba really any 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 league be dictated by bad officiating but definitely not like you said in the biggest stage of the nba in the finals you don't want to see a team go down because of poor officiating and we've seen a lot of it this series we have seen pretty bad officiating i know game one and two those were two games that Literally, the Suns were getting bailed out of everything. They were getting fouls their way, and they, the Bucks weren't getting calls. I know I, I, I talked about it previously. Drew Holiday went up for a couple layups in games one and two, didn't even get calls, you know, and he was clearly getting whacked. So I, I think it's something that needs to be looked at. Something that needs to be addressed. It just—it's happened too much to the point where it's just like, just honestly, just fire them all and bring a whole new batch in. I feel like this is this is getting out of hand, and like I said, you don't want to see the nba finals the biggest stage players live for this moment you do not want to see it dictated by bad officiating you want to see good basketball and you want to see two teams go at it you want to see you know plays that are if, if you're going to call it one way call it the other way you know what i'm saying like you don't yeah. want to see you don't want to see one team get clearly obvious fouls and the other team get none it's just something that you don't want to see in the nba yeah
0: and i mean if if I know a ref's name, that means they're probably not a good ref because if, if they're doing their job right, I should never hear about them. And I know a lot of these ref's names, which is not a good sign for the NBA. So I think Adam Silver really needs to address this in the off season. And I, unfortunately, I hate to say it, it seems like he's turning a blind eye to it. And he's finding players for criticizing the refs. I don't see the refs getting fined for their bad calls. So... Uh, it's it's really disappointing on Adam Silver's part, who is otherwise a great commissioner for this league, but I hope you uh, can finally address this one thing this offseason or in the near future.
1: Yeah, I know something that, um, you know, came up is Scott Foster. I know that's one referee that I know because being an Oklahoma fan, it came up last season in the game seven with Chris Paul, and I don't think Chris Paul has ever gotten a playoff win with that man officiating. And I know I heard something that, you know, Chris Paul, after that loss last season, he said that Scott Foster walked up to him and said, yo, Chris, you have no playoff wins when I officiate you. Just a weird thing to say in general. It's just something. Why would
0: he even know that if you're Scott Foster? Like
1: just thinking in the back of your head, I know this has come across Adam Silver's, you know, platform, being as big as he is and hearing everything. This is something that needs to be addressed. And, you know, like you said, if fans know the referees' names, it's something that needs to be addressed and it needs to be taken a look at this off season. I know a lot of changes will be made and I know changes are being made, you know, in other assets of the game other than, um, you know, officiating, but officiating is something that needs to be looked at.
0: Yeah. I mean, Scott Foster's one ref that's uh, definitely doesn't have the best track record and he's been around a long time. And he's kept his job, never uh, seen any sort of backlash from the NBA. And then another one, I mean, if you hear the name Tony brothers, the first thing that comes to your mind is, horrible ref i mean this guy is this guy is a terrible ref i think he's much worse than even scott foster he's a very bad ref i mean i've actually seen instagram accounts that are kind of parody accounts where they pretend to be him and like have like these posts where they're like blind i don't even it's, it's pretty funny you guys should check it out but i mean that just shows you how how well known this guy is for a terrible officiating i mean the ref just just nba just please address it this off season. I, you don't even have to fire these guys, but just tell them that they need to get better at their job or they will get fired because this is how the the world works, even in the NBA. If you're bad at your job, you get fired. A <laughs> yeah, lot of pretty. these coaches are getting fired for being bad. Grant Williams hopefully will get cut soon for being bad at his <laughs> job. I mean, that's that's how all jobs work, even sports. So NBA, figure it out. And that's all I got to say on this matter.
1: Yeah, I mean, just laying down the hammer on the NBA, I love it. You know, something needs to be addressed for sure. And, I mean, other than that, other than officiating, I mean, game five predictions, Hayden, who you got?
0: I'm going with the Milwaukee Bucks taking one in the valley.
1: I got, obviously, the Phoenix Suns because I want to live by my prediction. I think it's going to be a great game five. And then, you know, obviously, stay in the playoff picture for a second. I know this is something that we didn't talk about before, but it's something that I think that we should talk about is you know the NBA Players Association and the NBA coming together they they've they've decided to renew the play-in tournament for one more season. I know this is something that as NBA fans we love to see. What are your thoughts on the you know play-in being renewed?
0: All right. Uh, this fans and players are very selfish about this where they kind of only dislike it if they're going to be involved yeah. in it, which That's I mean true. to me really proves that uh, it is a good idea because yeah. people people who aren't like, if you're good enough, you're not going to be in that situation. So you might as well give the fans some good television, give these teams some meaningful games, because a lot of these eight-seed, seven-seed teams are going to be getting swept off the rug in the playoffs. So yeah. it'll give it'll give the players a little bit of experience in a more close playoff-style game. It's fun for the play, fans to watch. And, yeah, I mean, if, if you're the seven or eight-seed, I mean, cry about it all you want. I mean, you're, you're the one who puts yourself in this situation. I mean, this is, this is coming from a Celtics fan who – I had to watch my team play in the play in game and I thoroughly enjoyed the product. I liked watching the game. I had a good time. And also, um, I knew that my team deserved to be there and if we missed the playoffs because of it, it was our fault. So Yeah, so I don't, be it. Yeah, I don't really see uh, why all these people are hating on it. I think it's a good idea by the NBA. I think it's a home run by Adam Silver and the players' association and the owners. Um or now it's called governors my mistake. And um so so home run for you NBA. I was I was just kind of talking down <laughs> at them, but this this is a nice little win for the NBA.
1: Yeah, this is a positive because you know obviously being the OKC fan that I am, for the next couple of years I feel like we will end up being you know within that ten to eight, maybe even seven range. And I think that's something that just sitting back and watching my team not make the playoffs and being able to watch these teams, these ten and nine seeds, be able to fight for something, is something that I love to see. Obviously, we saw it with the um. You know, Memphis Grizzlies, they were able to perform, able to get into the playoffs. Something that you love to see, to be honest, and it's something that was very enjoyable. And, you know, we get to see guys like Steph Curry absolutely ball out and something that is just it's just an enjoyable thing. You know, it really brings the playoff atmosphere a little bit early. And like you said, these, these seven to eight teams, seven to eight seeded teams, they're getting swept, you know, winning. They're losing in five to six games regardless. Why not just make it enjoyable for them? make it enjoyable for the fans and get, just give something to know, you know, enlighten these seven, eight seeds. Cause like you said, the Celtics, if they don't make it, so be it. They're playing the nine and 10 seeds. Like, what do you have to lose here? If you, if you can't make it in, then you weren't supposed to be in, in the first place.
0: Yeah. I mean, I see like LeBron James is in love with the idea until the Lakers were in there. So yeah. all, these, all these fans and players, they're both guilty of it. They're being kind of hypocritical. Um, so, yeah, I really see no issue with this. Like I said, a home run, complete win for the league. And um, moving on, to a, a player who was almost involved in the play-in, but his team escaped seeds. at the sixth seed. And uh, obviously, disappointing playoffs, losing to a team without their second-best player in the Nuggets. Um, the Mem- the Not the Memphis Grizzlies, sorry. The Portland Trailblazers with a huge offseason ahead of them, and it's starting with rumors that Damian Lillard – might be requesting a trade. Um, What do you think some good fits for him would be? And uh, do you think he's actually going to end up leaving Portland or do you think his loyalty will kick in and he'll stay?
1: Yeah. I just want to start out by saying, I mean, this is just a confusing day for not only Portland fans, but just really any NBA fan because, you know, the news breaks out in the morning. He's going to be requesting a trade in a couple of days. Then we wait to see him, you know, in the press conference for team USA and then he comes out, says they're just not true. You know, we saw Yusuf Nurkic say that they're not true. And then we see Dames come out and say he's not true. So I just really don't know what to believe at this point. Does he want out? Does he not? He did come out and say he doesn't really know what his future holds. He'd like to be in a Portland jersey. But I I honestly think his, his time is running out in Portland. And I think, you know, he's, he's going to be on the move. Some teams I'd like to see him, I know, I know, the news, the initial news that broke out that said it said that he'd like to be traded to the Sixers or the Knicks. And that's something that I love. I know the, those are two destinations that I think have enough packages to move. You know, not a lot of teams have a, enough to move, you know, a superstar in this league like Dame. But I think those are two teams that do have the assets to move them. So if they can't pull off a trade, I'd love to see them join, you know, the Sixers, you know, join and beat. I obviously think Ben Simmons would be a part of that trade. I know that um, Ben Simmons is now in trade talks. I know uh, – I think it was – some team met up. I think it was the Timberwolves. I think it was the Timberwolves, something that, you know, you hit the – hit the hit a little home run on yourself, you know, making that guess before the rumors came out. But, um yeah, I'd like to see either the Sixers or Knicks as suitable candidates if Dame does get traded. But just an all-around confusing day for, you know, Portland Trailblazers fans.
0: Yeah, I mean – if yeah, if I was a Portland fan, I mean, I'd be i I'd, I'd be going to bed sad tonight because every time something like this happens and it starts to seem like maybe they want out, maybe they don't, it ends up with them wanting out. We saw yeah. the same thing on play with Harden where it was like, oh, he wants out, and then it was like, oh, maybe he doesn't. He's saying he might not, and then what ends up happening? He wants out. He leaves. Happened with Anthony Davis, many guys before. It's ha- every time they it, it starts to seem like they might want out, they end up wanting out, and um, I think that's exactly the case here. I think Dame is going to be gone. Uh, I think he'll actually be gone before this season. I don't think he's going to stay another year, and um, I, I really think the people saying the Sixers are a great fit. Um, I thought we were talking about Simmons' trade value going down from the playoffs, not up, because this is Damian Lillard we're talking about. Yeah, we're not talking about a Simmons swap for D'Angelo Russell, like me and you have talked about several times. talking about swapping him for, uh, in my opinion, a top three point guard in the game. Uh, And the Sixers aren't aren't a team that has great draft capital either, that they can uh, lure Portland into wanting, because they're going to be a great team. They're going to be picking around 27 to 30. So if I'm Portland, I'm not jumping on that. But, I see a team in the Knicks that uh, even with them, I don't think they're going to have quite 27 to 30 pick. I think maybe around 18 to 22 range level picks. I think they'd probably be uh, a top four or five seed in the East. Um, and they also have some guys that I like. They don't just have one guy in Ben Simmons who can't even shoot the basketball. The guy, I think RJ Barrett would be available in those talks. I think he's a dude who's maybe not at the level of Simmons yet, but I think he has a lot more potential. And, um, one of the biggest knocks on him going coming into the league is he wasn't a great defender. But last season, he actually stepped up a lot in that department. and He's become a very good defender. He can score on all three levels, unlike Simmons. Uh, he's not the world's greatest free throw shooter, but he's not a liability at the line. And then um, they got other players, too. If you're Portland, you've struggled a lot. The center position defensively, obviously, Enos Cantor is known as a terrible defender. And uh, Yusuf Nurkic played pretty soft defense against Jokic. So you take a look at a guy like Mitchell Robinson potentially coming your way as well. A little bit of draft capital, R.J. Barrett. And uh, take your pick of one of their point guards as well. I mean, maybe maybe they still have a little faith in Frank Nielakina. They could bring him in. Uh, I really think if, if you're the Knicks, I know you love quickly, but I think you might even be willing to trade quickly Robinson and Barrett. That sounds like a lot, but this is Damian Lillard we're talking about. I think you make that move if you're the Knicks. I'd be willing to send a draft pick or two along with those three guys if I'm the Knicks because, I mean, if you're getting Dame and Randle together, another free agent is bound to come, whether it's in this free agency
1: class or the next. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who, like you said, I agree, top three point guard in this league. And, you know, you look at it, I know you mentioned Anthony Davis and James Harden. You look at it and you're like, okay, why does Dame want out? They've been making the playoffs all these years. The thing about it is, if I'm Damian Lillard, I would have asked out very, very, maybe even like last season even, because this is a team that has just been making the playoffs consistently, but they've been doing nothing in the playoffs. They're just one of those teams that are, they make the playoffs. They're a first or second round exit. They get a late draft pick. They make the playoffs. They're first or second round exit. They get a late draft pick. Some, it literally reoccurs every single year. So if you're Dame, why would you want to do that? The front office, he's mentioned many times, is absolutely terrible. They haven't done anything to really give Damian Lillard any assets. That He's been working with the same people in young draft picks for over and over and over. He's been getting a couple of vets here and there. They've made a couple of runs. I know they picked up Melo. They picked up Rocco. These are guys that have come in, but they're not going to you know, push that team to a championship team. So if, if I'm Damian Lillard, I'm doing the same thing he's doing. But as a whole as this team, this future, you know, I know we've mentioned almost every single team, big off-seasons ahead, but... This is a pivotal one because this this is a team that's been making the playoffs consistently, and I think this is a make or break whether they head into reboot mode. I yeah. know a name.
0: I mean, I, I think – sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think going into Portland, we're going to be thinking about them as a completely different team as we have in yeah. the years before.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a team who shipped off. In my opinion, I didn't like it at the time. I, I'm not sure if Norman Powell's going to end up staying, but this is a team that shipped off a young Gary Trent, who really did prove that he he ha- he's gonna be in the NBA for a long time. He's a great young player, he's a great scorer. They obviously took a took a chance on Norman Powell to really advance their playoff playoff motives, but obviously him being a free agent, we don't know if he's gonna come back. And they don't own a first round pick. I'm looking at the draft right now, trying to see in the second round if they own a pick. I'm guessing they own one, maybe. I'm just trying to quickly go through and I don't even see their name. So I don't think they own a pick in this draft, Hayden. Like I don't know what they do, to be honest. The draft, obviously, is something they can't utilize. I'm not really sure their cap space used to go the free agent. This is a team that's really got a lot of holes in this team. They, they need a third star if they really want to. They need to move on from guys that we've mentioned multiple times, like CJ McCollum. This is a team that's really questionable. They're in a questionable spot.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's hard when you have a team like the Blazers that's really just one piece away. It, it's got to be a big piece. It can't be a small piece, but they are one piece away. Um, like maybe a perhaps a guy like Carl Anthony Towns or something like that, but so it's really hard when you're at that position. You're one piece away. You really want to get that piece, but it's hard to let go and just blow it up, but I think that's what they got to do. Um, we saw on a smaller scale um, Orlando did the same thing. They had a few good pieces, Aaron Gordon, yeah. Nikola Vucevic, um, as well as uh, Evan Fournier, and they just let go. And they blew it up, and look, I love the future in, in Orlando yeah, now. Five great draft picks. Great draft picks. A lot of young, scrappy guards. Jonathan Isaac coming back from injury. I mean, you can turn around the narrative of your franchise in a snap if, if you want to, if you're the Portland Trailblazers. And I think it's time to do so. You, you don't want to get stuck in that place that uh, Memphis was for a little while with Conley and Gasol, where you're just good, not great year after year. Uh, sometimes you got to take a step f- backward to take two steps forward, and I think uh, that phrase really applies to the Portland Trailblazers right now. So I think uh, they should move off from both of their stars, let Nurkic walk, and uh, start a new chapter in the Portland Trailblazers franchise history.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, a perfect perfect example was the Orlando Maddie. This was a team that was an eight seed. But the thing about them even is they're getting these picks. This is a team that's making it to the first and second round, but not doing anything with it. So, I mean, like you said, the only thing about it that I'm really thinking about, you let go of Nurkic, you know, you, you get trade assets. Obviously, you're bringing back a haul of young talent. But, you know, I've seen a lot of things of just like young players coming in. This team just has just a ton of role players outside of them. So what do you, as if, you know, say you're the GM, are, are you bringing back Norman Powell? Are you looking to keep Robert Covington around? I know Carmelo Anthony's on the back end of his career. Obviously, I don't think you bring him back around any means. Are you really looking to build around, you know, an Alfernee Alfred Simons? Are you looking to build around guys like that, you know, to really come off your bench? Or are you just really, like, like we've said, just blow up the entire team? Like, I'm thinking literally –
0: I mean, I think you trade away Covington, which I think would be extremely easy. I think there's 10 or more teams that would be interested in him. Everyone wants a Robert Covington. Yeah, I mean, Robert Covington is just that prototypical role player. He can play three three and four very well. And we even saw him play a little bit of five this year in the small ball era. So uh, I think a lot of teams would be interested in him. So I think that would be no problem for them to trade away. And Anthony Simons and Norman Powell still have youth to them. I think those are two guys that you'd like to retain and help build around. Uh, Carmelo Anthony is obviously a no-brainer. You're letting him walk because uh, although it's good to have a vet around, this would be a vet that does not want to be there. They'd be holding him hostage. Carmelo wants to be competing in his last few seasons he has left. He does not want to be stuck on a lottery team. So you definitely let Melo go. But I, th- I see Powell and Anthony Simons' as pieces you want to keep around. Other than that, though, most of this team looks uh, – Looks like tradable assets. Maybe Nazir Little. He hasn't been great yet, but uh, he is a guy with a lot of potential. They might want to keep him around as well. But most of this team is is uh, looking ready to get sent off. Um, I might want to keep keep Cantor. He's a good locker room guy. He could teach the young guys a few things about this league. But um, other than that, I really see all these guys as tradable assets. And even, even uh, Cantor and um, Nazir Little, who I said they probably will hold on to, I even see them as tradable assets if a team is interested in them and willing to give them something in return.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a team who is focused on, you know, making the playoffs and advancing in their playoff hopes. And they let let a name go that I know me and you are very familiar with, and that's a guy like Moses Brown, you know. He didn't play any at all because they weren't looking to rebuild at all. And they ended up letting him go, ends up coming to the OKC Thunder, has an emergent second season, great sophomore season, and here he is playing for the Boston Celtics probably going to end up getting a decent amount of minutes so this this is a guy this is a team as a whole that has just let go of guys because they haven't been really looking at the future at all they were looking at right here right now what can we do and what are we what are we willing to give up and you know missing out on guys who like Gary Trent who I'm very high on I love Gary Trent and I I would have liked to see them hang around him for a while because obviously it was his rookie season but I mean it's just you know this team just has a lot of questions.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I like Gary Trent, but I think Norman Powell's uh, very – not similar play style-wise, but they're very similar level of players. So I don't think they really made a terrible move there. I, I actually slightly think uh, Powell's the better player because he offers you a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball. But two two nice young star, star – well, not quite stars, but you know what I mean. They're emerging stars. They could be stars very soon. They're on the cusp of it, players, and – so I, I don't think they made a bad move there. It was it was somewhat lateral, though, which uh, at the trade deadline, I honestly was questioning that move a little bit because I was thinking maybe they could have packaged Trent for something different. Like, perhaps they could have brought in Fournier and Gordon from Orlando, like a, a little two-player deal that could have brought their team a little more versatility. But obviously, they didn't. They opted to go with Powell, and uh, they gave up a promising player for Powell. So I think you definitely can't let him walk this summer. you got to hold on to him. And uh, I think he's a, he's a nice player. He he could be an all-star for Portland in a couple couple years if they're moving on from Damian Lillard and CJ. I mean, they would have a lot of shots and opened up. So I could definitely see him being a 25-point-per-game score as soon as next season. I mean, who else is going to be scoring the basketball for that team? And then Simons is a guy who I think has been uh, – I mean, obviously he has seen the court a decent amount. He's got decent playing time. But he's still been somewhat buried on the bench. I think this is a guy who – was ready to start last season, but obviously it's a no-brainer he wasn't going to start last season. But I, I think he's ready to be a starter in the NBA. I mean, he he's just a naturally gifted scorer. He can score on all three levels. He's he's shown in the dunk contest that uh, he he's a relentless finisher at the rim, but he, he can also shoot the three ball at a very high octane. So I love that player there. So I see a nice young backcourt with those two. I mean, Powell can play the three as well and then maybe make a move for a guy like R.J. Barrett. I would love that one through three right there. I mentioned Mitchell Robinson from the Knicks as well. Get him at the five. And then you'd have some draft capital to look for your future four, or even maybe the Knicks will give you Obi Toppin in a trade as well. Then you'd have a nice young starting five as well, some draft capital because I'm sure um, not all five of those players are going to pan out. So I'm sure that wouldn't be their starting five forever, but get some draft capital in there. Uh, Hopefully draft a a future star. And I I think – Rebuilds in the NBA really aren't as hard as they seem. It's just that ownerships are a little scared to do them because they're going to lose out on some money the first year. They're going to get way less jersey sales. But you you blow it up, you go into the rebuild mode, and three years from now you're going to be thinking, why did I ever consider not doing this? This was the best decision I've ever made. So Portland's got to get on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, Simons is a guy who I I like, and I do like him in the starting lineup, like you said. But just, like, going back to, like, the – You know, the Norman Powell thing, I mean, the reason why I know, obviously, you said that you were questioning him a little bit at first, but I see a lot of, you know, Gary Trent and Norman Powell are two very similar players with a six-year age difference. You know, Gary Trent is 22, and Norman Powell is 28. So, you, I think they just put a lot of faith in Norman Powell returning. I really do expect him to return, because I love to see Norman Powell. Like you said, he is very capable of dropping 25 a game. I know he's a great scorer. I'm pretty sure he averaged above fifteen a game this season. I think he averaged like seventeen or eighteen. So I think this is a guy who can put the basketball in the net. He was big in the playoffs for them. I think this is this is someone who I'd like to keep around, to be honest. And then guys like you said, I think the Knicks are the suitable targets if Dame is on the move. Cause there's just so much young talent there. And I think they are willing to give it up. Obviously you said Mr. Robinson. Unfortunate he did go down with, you know, back to back injuries like he did. But he is a guy who you, you love to see in a Portland Trailblazers uniform, obviously with Yusuf Nurkic questioning his ability. I know he said if Dame goes, he's going too. So if Dame does end up finding his way out of Portland, obviously you don't even see Nurkic returning. So I think guys like Mitchell Robinson, guys like RJ Barrett, guys like quickly potentially, guys like go be topping, you know, these young guys that will end up coming in if a trade is made with the Knicks for Damian Lillard will happen. And I see I see this team as like you said, they're a little bit scared because like you said with a little jersey sales and stuff. You see, you see a down year, but, you know, we've seen teams like Orlando, like you said. Oklahoma blew up the trigger. Unfortunate, the Pistons have been at it for a couple of years now. I think, you know, the real scare is are you going to be able to bounce back? You know, teams that have hit the rebuild mode that still haven't really been able to bounce back like the Pistons, like I mentioned. You know, but this is a team who they have a guy like Damian Lillard. So this is a team who they can chip them off and get a very good amount back and then end up, you know, pursuing the, the rebuild mode like any other team would.
0: Yeah. I mean, and even the Pistons, they're a team that's been a little slower than some others, but they made the playoffs just a couple of years ago. So it's not like they've been out of it for a long time. And they have the number one pick. Now they're, they're right back into the thick of things. They're right back generating all the hype. They have a nice coach and Dwayne Casey, some nice rookies that we've talked about several times on this podcast. I mean, three pretty good rookies. And then uh, presumably Cade Cunningham, maybe someone else, but the number one pick will be on the roster unless they make a trade. So, um, I mean, even the Pistons, one of the teams that has had a uh, slower rebuild, it still hasn't taken them very long to get back into relevancy in the NBA. So I think uh, Portland should look at stuff like that. OKC hasn't really uh, left relevancy at all, and throughout this rebuild, they made the playoffs last year. This year, they were still being talked about. Um, guys like Dort have made strides. Shea is obviously a nice young player, so that's just how you do it. And I see, I see RJ Barrett being a guy who could be like Shea. You know, he's. He was already solid. I mean, Shea was already solid for the Clippers. Barrett's already solid for the Knicks. But maybe a new change of scenery would pick him up to more of an All Star level player. So, um, I think there's a lot on the line this this summer for the Blazers. But I think this is really a no brainer. You just blow it up. You send CJ somewhere that wants him. Uh, we've mentioned Boston a few times. Obviously, a little bias from my part. And I think you send you send Dame to somewhere that wants him. Uh, based off of the packages I can think of through my head, the best team there is definitely the Knicks. Uh, second would be the 76ers, but I just don't see as much value there as I do on the Knicks.
1: Yeah, and obviously the Knicks would be just a great fit for him all around, being, you know, the number one guy immediately to come in and, you know, Julius Randle a great second guy that can come in as well. So you know you know, a good future for the Knicks if they do pull off the trade. But a good future for the Trailblazers and, you know, Portland Trailblazers DM or GM you know, listen to the podcast because we just literally told you what to do for the next five years. Just execute it. It's a perfect idea. You know, you just blow up the team, you get assets and pull it off. And then this team is right back in the playoffs. But instead of making it the first and second round, they're looking to, you know, compete for the finals with these young guys because generational talent is coming through. People are leaving. We've seen emergences of Devin Booker, Trey Young, John Morant, all these young guys doing big things in the league. The league is changing, and I think it's time for the Portland Trailblazers to change too.
0: Yeah, for sure. And um, I know we usually have two teams to breakdown Today we just decided to go with one. So uh, sorry for anyone who's getting excited to hear another team be talked about today. But don't worry. We will be covering all 30 teams before this uh, offseason breakdown series is over. So don't worry if your favorite team hasn't been named yet. Uh, the reason we only did one this episode is the Portland Trailblazers are really, one of the most exciting teams to see what they do this off season. So we had a lot to talk about and I thought this was a great episode, a great episode 11. Thank you to all of you for listening and peace. Peace.